Welcome to everybody's fourth favourite hockey podcast in the world. Uh, <laughs> Paul the goalie, and once again, I'm stuck introducing the show. It's me, Joe. I'm here first off with the usual owner, chief executive officer, and podcast planner extraordinaire in this uh, resident Eipspair and Berlin fan. Uh, Pete Bradbury is here. Guten Tag. Hi. And for once, we've actually managed to somewhat get a very special guest on the show. He is officially the press officer and sports editor for the Swindon Wildcats NIHL national team. It's Mr. Ben Callahan. Hello. Special. Hello. Hi, guys. Very operative word. Yes, I'm to find your proper title. Yeah. Well, I, I have obviously also left off the most important part of this, which is probably why you're on the show. Which is, he is the other half of the three-time, undefeated, <laughs> forever, Manchester Phoenix podcast with champions of the world. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. It's good to have that one updated, isn't it? Finally, after all these years. Are the shirts being printed? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and as soon as lockdown is over, we are going to the windmill. <laughs> Yeah, that was certainly a, uh, a momentous achievement the other weekend to uh, secure that one for, I mean, I can't remember how many days it is now, but it's over 1,500, I'm sure. Uh, 1,600. <laughs> not that we're counting. Of course <laughs> not. So this week is a bit of a free-for-all. We're mainly going to touch on the four biggest news stories of the week. There might obviously be some other bits and bobs that spring up during the show, Uh Peter, which one would you say you want to go with first? NHL restart plan, please. So, I don't know, obviously, if you two have looked much into it at the moment or thought much about it, but obviously the NHL stopped nearly two months ago now. Um, most of us probably have been abusing the free game centre that the NHL's been <laughs> providing since then, watching games back. And... Just this last weekend, the plan for the return, or the updated plan for return, came out, with the idea basically being go straight into a 24-team Stanley Cup playoff. Hmm. What do you guys think about the idea? I'll let you go, Ben. Well, I mean, I guess they've got to have a plan. There has to be something. Um, I think it's, I don't think there's much wrong with the plan per se. I like the idea of this time of year now you just go straight into the playoffs. Um, there's, I think there's been enough of the season done where if you're in the playoffs, you probably deserve to be in the playoffs. And if you're near the bottom of the league, you probably aren't have much chance of getting to the playoffs. Because isn't the, I think isn't it the top four from both the East and West yeah. essentially get a bye, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think by the time, I mean, the league start stopped in well, end of February, early March, it's kind of around the same time where the playoff spots are beginning to get solidified anyway. You know who's going to make it, you know, kind of who's not. There's obviously a few teams on the bubble trying to get, still would have been trying to get that wildcard spot, but I think generally it's a, it's a sensible plan. Um, splitting it across, I mean, they're talking up to eight or nine different places and playing every game in those ranks and 
obviously no fans around and streaming it, I think is the right thing to do. But end of the day, it's down to the players. Are they going to want to play in it? I don't know. Mm. If you want, I actually have the proposed plan because I have nothing better to do in my life. Um, outline. As we said, 24 teams. Uh, each division will have one arena where all the games will be played. Um, the series will see teams that are first and or first to four. They get buys, and then it's teams ranked fifth to twelve playing in a best of three series. I mean, I'm I'm okay that because. I think when you look at the teams that miss out, essentially, mm. from the east, you're losing the Red Wings, who were nowhere near anything anyway. You're missing the Senators, the Devils, and the Sabres. Mm. The Sabres are probably the, the Sabres and Devils are probably the only ones that probably have a small gripe with it. The fact they played two less games than the Canadians, they're three points behind. They've probably got the only team with a complaint there. But, I said, get good. The West, you're only missing the Sharks, the Kings and the Ducks, which is both a ringing endorsement for Californian <laughs> hockey this year. And, again, they were far behind the Blackhawks and everybody else in the rest of the West. It, mm. like, it's one of those things, when you look at every other restart option in all these other sports that have happened, you're going to annoy somebody. Someone's going to do, well, that's not fair, like, we should do this, this, and it's like, like, you've played 69 games, if you were going to be a playoff team, you would have been there or thereabouts. I, I think you're right there, I think the one thing I've read when everyone's been talking about, be it football, be it hockey, be it whatever sport, everybody follows is, oh, it's, it's not fair on this team, it's not fair on that team, well, no, it's not, but no matter what solution you pick, it's not fair on someone, like you just said, you've got to pick the one that's least well affects the least amount of teams you're never going to please everybody it's which one is going to be the least worst case scenario yeah. and if that's only six or seven teams definitely missing out the moment you call this is what we're going to do you've got a what 31 team nhl like the majority of people there are going to have a chance to carry on playing yes it's tough but like you said get good Especially the Red Wings case. The Red Wings, if you've watched any of their games or the highlights this year, they are terrible, rough. Yeah, and yeah, they are rough. They're they're miles behind. As I said, they're doing it in the right way. They're giving the four teams that came top. I don't know if that's actually going to be a positive thing. That basically you are going to miss out on three games worth of practice that the other teams are getting. That could be a detriment, especially at the start of a series. Yeah. I mean, is it last year, the Lightning, essentially, what, they took the last five games of the year off because they'd already won the President's Trophy, they'd already set the record, they coasted through it, and they got destroyed in that first round. I'm There's just... a strong chance, obviously, that could happen with the teams that are in the ones four if they're not on it from the get-go. I'm just trying to find one of the actual link I got it from, and I think it said they were going... Everyone would play, I think, tune-up games, and then... You're going to have to. Yeah, because it's, it's going to be... It's the only thing <laughs> it'd be, to think of. be ridiculous otherwise. 
I mean, um, I don't know if um, you guys caught any of the uh, German football that came back last weekend, the whole empty stadium, social distancing, all that stuff. It was really weird. Yeah. Like, everyone's always had that thing of like, oh, sports, nothing without the fans. And everyone's kind of had that, well, no, it's still top quality sport. It's still all this, this, this and this. And you actually watch it without fans there and it's, oh, actually, no, this is, this is, this is weird. It's like being in an NHL 2 game. It's, it's bizarre. I mean. I, I don't know if that would work the same for hockey. You'd hear a lot more swearing. I've been to an Altrincham Aces game where it's been very similar. Even the sledge hockey. We are far less. The three of us have probably all been in ice rinks in the UK where there's been teams on the ice and, say, about 10, 15 people in and around rinkside on a balcony or in a stand somewhere, be that game, a training session or what. We're talking, what, 16, 17,000-seat arenas, and it's going to sound just like that Mm. and look just like that. It's going to be weird. Even the... Not really very often they train in these empty rinks. Most... NHL teams are practice rinks, okay, when they go on long road trips, they'll get, they'll get ice in yeah. the arenas, but they're probably on it for, what, an hour, an hour and a half? They're going to be mm. talking three periods, and then it's just going to be so strange. But then, like you said, every sport's doing it. Now, Dortmund, they had the, their massive stand empty, and it's just odd. Because I think it's Munching Gladbacks at home this, week, this weekend, and they've done that whole... Is it pay something like five, ten euros and get like a, a photograph of yourself to put in the main stand? Yeah, yeah it's like a cardboard cutout to be in the stands that it looked like there were people there. Yeah. It's like, that, that doesn't really fix the problem because the main problem people have is it's the noise. Yeah. Well, this, like, the, hockey fans do get a lot of stick at the best of times, but <clears> like, without actively cheering your team on, there is really nothing there. But the What's it? Hertha Berlin's talking about piping audio from a previous game through, which isn't really going to work because if if you score during the game and then it gets played during the actual game in question, you're going to stop and think, why are they cheering when a, your home side's just like the person yeah. off? We've just conceded. Why are the fans going nuts? Yeah, it's, it is going to be odd. I mean, even obviously, I've never you know thought of playing like the, the game of hockey, but you look at the levels we watch. Surely, when you put the, the the boys that we watch are playing games, even if they're not being, even the fans aren't shouting and cheering, they're going to know they're there. There's that background hum, and when they score, they probably expect the noise level to go up a by a percentage for whatever yeah. many people are in the rink. If you've got a completely empty ice rink where there is nothing and all you can hear is the, the noise of ice being torn up by skates and then someone presses play on a noise of equivalent 13,000 hockey fans, I, I try to think how many heart attacks we're going to have on the NHL. Gosh, it sounds like a Guildford game, to be honest. It's normally, it's normally just Matt banging the drum and no one else does anything. Until they score when he puts the drum down. Yeah. And then they, they don't shut up for a few minutes. It's just, it's one of those things of like, you look at, the NHL has obviously been a bit more proactive in like putting its plans out there as such. Like most leagues, obviously across 
Europe now, shut down, that's it, move on, we'll try again next year. Like, um, we've all spoken about it off mic, kind of just between each other, of just like, what is going to happen down the line? Obviously, the consensus theory at the moment is you're aiming at October, maybe even November as a start. But how much of a knock-on effect that's going to have is... Well, verging on immeasurable, really. The fact that it's gonna—it's already knocked next year's World Championships back. I want to say three weeks. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's two or three weeks. Two or, two three, or weeks. three weeks. So it's already knocked that back. You're then obviously, if you're starting essentially four, like four to six weeks later than what you usually would, and you're trying to going to try and keep to the same schedule. That's a lot of games crammed into an even shorter. Window. It's a lot more midweek games for, particularly in the national league, particularly in the elite league. I mean, like it's gonna it's gonna have a weird effect on hockey for the next season. Yeah, the article I'm reading about the NHL here is saying, you know, they they think they've got the flexibility to finish the playoffs this summer, and they could delay the start of next season to as late as December, whilst remaining to play a full schedule. After talking an NHL season starting in December. And you're playing a full schedule. 82 games, no. 82 games plus playoffs. I mean, when the season normally starts October and finishes potentially up to June, you're talking about playing hockey through to August. And then a new season starting up in October. Right. It's one of the things they do have to... It's going to knock on 2022-23. They've clearly made the right decision in just going, right, scrap the rest of the regular season, let's just go straight into a elongated playoffs that's probably the most sensible thing that anyone's come up with in terms of North American sports the NBA haven't done it baseball haven't come up with anything so far that's even as remotely as sensible so full credit to them but the idea of you saying that of you think you can start an 82 game regular season in December they might as well they might as well do it like it's a half a lockout season yeah, well, that's, that's when got the last lockout was what? Sensible reason, really. January, I mm. want to say. So they, they could. Yeah, they, they, they could did about 40 it, odd games. Yeah, I think so. So that potentially could be an option, but. It's just, if, if, you, if you start in December, you, let's say you play through to even at the absolute best case scenario, you play through to July. Mm. The guys are going to get about two months off and they're going for another 82 games. In the space of. What, 24 months? You could be looking at, I don't know, 162 regular season games in about 20 months. Maybe a little bit less than that, 18 months. It's just. And, and that's, that's how you get lockouts. At some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause a strain somewhere. And you can't play this, you can't necessarily sacrifice next season just to play these playoffs. But I think you've got to look at. Forget what's happened already. This season is now the playoffs, and next season is a percentage of the league game plus the playoffs, and the season after that is your full schedule. Yeah, you've it's got to simple, back to it. Especially in the NHL, it's just a simple case of like you tweak the formula down a little bit. Whether it be you don't play any cross conference games next season because what that takes thirty games off each other. Yeah, I think so. That already makes it a fifty-two game season, so. Yeah. Even if it's something just simple as that, that could have a positive yeah. advantage. I think it needs to be a stepping stone. I don't think you can jump from a 24-game playoff to an 82-game season in the space of 
potentially six weeks no. if they started it on time. Because, so. I mean, again, you're, if, if someone goes from being the 12th seed in this playoff format, you're looking at anywhere up to 31 games if all series went the distance. Mm-hmm. And then playing a full 82 again next season. So, as I said, it's usually a matter of 113 games in 15 months. It's, like, yeah. it's crazy. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care how physically fit you are. That's going to take it to, its toll somewhere. Yeah, and there's plenty of other things to consider. It's not, you know, you've got you've got the drafts, you've got the, the, the junior leagues, you've got, there's not just one, you know, how Say so don't move the draft. You're going to do bring players in mid-season because yeah. it's it's the thing as well. You've got your AHL teams, so it's not a case of resting your top stars and bring them up because then they'll they're in the same boat as well. Mm. Well, maybe not so much this season, but next season definitely. Yeah, because they've completely counted their playoffs, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, the NHL is the only one looking to get going again. Yeah, I was going to say the KHL, but they've actually stopped. Up, no, they? The Gagarin mm. Cup was actually probably one of the first ones that went. Mm. Mm. It, I think they're doing the right thing. I think because of the way the playoffs work, I think there is potential for that to cap, that for that tournament to happen. It, it's one of the things. It's like you, like you need to do something. You need to take the appropriate safety measures because. So at the moment, it's like you've had two months of no sport, and I don't know about you two, but it's like you slowly go insane, and you realise how much of your week basically revolves around either watching or reading or listening to something to do with the sports you follow. So we're all into ice hockey, we're all fairly into cricket, we're all fairly into speedway, football, all this nonsense, and there's nothing. Mm. And like it's somewhat positive to see it being proactive and like, look, we need to get back, we need to do something because obviously. The way it is at the moment, there is going to be a time in the next few months where there is like, there's no new movies coming out, there's no new TV shows coming out, there's nothing. The last there's dance. only so many repeats of Euro 96 that you can watch. I'll have you know, you can watch The Last Dance. I do not want any spoilers, Bradbury. I just finished episode four. I'm not allowed to watch any. I've not even watched any yet. Misses. I'm only on episode two, so. Brilliant. I am waiting till they're all done and then I can just. They are all watch. done. Which, as a Bulls fan, I'll be quite happy to watch again. They, they are all done, don't worry. So, They're all up on Netflix. Um, oh, and in case anyone missed it, um, what was it last night? Sudden Death was on. <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer hey, of late hey. news, but, you know, I've got it to watch because I recorded it. Because I'm saying... He says. What's next on your list, Pete? Well, just a couple of points before we yeah, we we head off. The one thing that's not been mentioned is the restrictions at, at the border between Canada and America. Yeah. Which, which will make it even... So it's like, right, we can play games. Oh, yeah, politics. Mm. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're going to do that. Unless they're going to do a, a similar thing to what I know Formula One have been talking about and basically saying that they said that for Formula One it's a case that they want to do races in Europe and stuff, but the border controls are not going to let them. But Formula One are basically saying 
we're going to put on planes where it's only Formula One staff that are flying in and out of these countries that are then going to be picked up by a bus and go into this track and they're going to be basically quarantined on the move. And then it's a case of, well, are you going to let us come in with a plane? Um, which could happen with, you know, Canada and America if they really wanted to get the NHL guys. So it's a massive sports team. It's not going to be that difficult, that expensive to play on a few chartered air flights. But um, especially if you're only talking about it being in six or seven or eight, maybe even eight cities. You're not going to fly them all over the country. You're talking six to eight fixed locations where, okay, there will be people coming from Canada. But if you get them to fly in all on one plane with nobody else on it and then put them in a bus straight away where they're all together, it's still going to be probably less safe than people going out and doing whatever they're doing at the moment. Or more safe. And the other point I was going to make is, has anyone seen the projected uh, lineups should the season start or the playoffs if they did it no but if you no, don't have to go on and go through it um, well this is what it had so the west uh, will be the 5th v uh, the 12th seed I was going to say go through it one by one and then we'll say who we think goes through ok I was actually thinking that myself yeah. um, but I'll, I'll let you have that point uh, the first one would be the Edmonton Oilers against the 12th seed Blackhawks. Uh, Oilers. Yeah, McJesus wins, lol. Yeah, I'd probably go Oilers. Um, the 6th seed Nashville Predators against the Arizona Coyotes. Smashville. Yeah, can I say Nashville, but in three rather than Edmonton Blackhawks would probably be a, would be a To be honest, Joe, it can't be in. Well, it can be in three because it's the yeah, best two, of one. three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> it wasn't until I just saw a big, massive letters in my notes. Best of three. Seventh <laughs> um, ranked. I had to say that very slowly. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks against the Minnesota Wild. I'd really like to see this series, actually, considering the Canucks and the Wilds always seem to just beat the hell out of each other in games. Let's say Canucks again. Yeah, I would I would lean to Vancouver, but I'm not really a massive Wild fan. So. Also, just off the record as well going back to the Edmonton thing that's the thing I'm most annoyed about with this like no playoff system we didn't get seven games of Edmonton versus Calgary yeah that was the one that leapt out at me (laughs) but speaking of the Flames yes them v the Winnipeg Jets ooh Winnipeg Flames because Connor Hellebuck is a Vesna winner. I, I'll, every time I see Jets, I just think of Bar Down. But this is nothing. I'll probably go Flames. The East. I, I, purely on that one, I do think Winnipeg beats Calgary because Hellebuck is better than Rittick. Fair enough. That's just my, that's my logic behind me. purely there. We are not here to... Thing. It is our 
own valid points. At the East, you have the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, as much as I hate it, Pittsburgh. Sad it'll be different, Canadians. Um, Carolina Hurricanes v the New York Rangers. Rangers, sweep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biased. Disclaimer. <laughs> I would also, to be fair, I would also go for the Rangers as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A full house. I'll go Rangers as well. Um, New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. God, if ever there was a series that made you want to kill yourself. <laughs> it's, it's like a series when you play NHL and you play, press random teams and you look at them and you just think, oh, I'll like, skip again. Then <laughs> you press random teams again. <laughs> and then then you end up with like Panthers at New York Islanders. The is, I was like, I don't so much hate the teams as such, but it's like Barry Trotz basically has built a career on being a boring defensive coach, and the Florida Panthers is the very boring team. <laughs> so you get, that, could, that game could go three games and every game be 2 1. <laughs> I, I, I still lean towards Florida. See, I was going the other way. I was going to say Islanders. <clears throat> well, the Islanders would have home advantage for about the, I think the well, second time in like 20 odd years. But then I like the Panthers because of the rats with the Scott Mellonby yeah. story. But They're we just are two very even teams. That's the problem. Mm. Like, I just... that that would, is one that would go either way, mm. depending on who came out of the traps hot. I just don't like the Islanders, so I'm going Panthers. Fair enough. <laughs> As it. Blackheart slash Rangers fan. And the next one. All oh, right. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't know you'd done done one, Ben. But did you? Yeah, it's the Panthers. All oh, right. Um, and the final one, the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets. Yeah, Blue Jackets. <laughs> Toronto will probably win the first game and then just blow. Yeah, up. actually, if they did, if if the Leafs went through on that, do you know who they would then play in the next round? Is it Boston? I don't know. I was asking. Oh, all right. Boston, <laughs> I thought, I thought if, you, if, if they that, would be projected to get Boston, they'll win that round and then so get the Leafs. That's the eight-nine matchup, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So they play whoever was number one. Boston. I'm looking at Boston. Yeah. In that case, they'll beat the and then get beat by Boston. In seven. I've not actually saw how they plan for the next round. I take it it's going to be. I, I, I imagine it will go back to the old time: one v eight, two v seven, yeah. three v six, four v five. You know, I'd actually like to see a best of three playoff series. And all the way. Uh, out of interest for Ben, because him being a noted Colorado Avalanche fan, even when they are rubbish. Um, <laughs> What's what like really been able to support them when they're not that bad? <laughs> what seed would they have been? Uh, they were second there. in the West. So who seven eleven game Pete? Seven eleven? You mean seven ten? 
Seven ten, no, seven eleven, because it's five. Oh, yeah, seven ten. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Canucks and Wild. Yeah, fair might be the Wild. <laughs> it would be a fun series, but yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I might have known it was going to be the Wild. I'm just so, thinking Canucks because of like the Batuzzi thing oh, from that'd years be, ago. Yeah, that'd be rough. So, I'm just trying to so lock and plan sort of like <laughs> rivalry games, but. The only one that really sort of like kind of slightly excites me in the West is the Canucks Wild one because I'm just harping back to kind of like the early 2000s where every game was just like a brawl. So, honestly, Pete, I've spoken to you before about what you think of the Blackhawks this yeah. season, the Rangers this season. <laughs> and, and As you, you I nearly it, swore you said it a minute I ago. I nearly swore then. I tried. You, you said it. A, yeah, you said it a, a minute ago, there, Ben. This is the first time you've been able to watch the Avalanche with a smile on your face, eventually. Because <laughs> there has been over the last years that I've been living, breathing, and supporting hockey, there has been the odd season where things have been good, and you support. You know, the first year where Patrick Wild was head coach was just bonkers, but good fun, and we won a divisional title and. Okay, choked a bit. Not that we choked in the playoffs, we weren't expected to go through and win it, but we got beat as we did. But generally this year with the Avs, there's there's hope. It's just exciting. You've got one of, if not the youngest team in the NHL. I can't remember if we still are, but we're certainly in the month. That You're definitely in the bottom five, I think it is. Yeah, I know we were last year, but I can't remember if the additions that have been made this year has changed that. We've got quality young players. We've got cap space and there's just the big players we've got are generally signed down for the next two or three years you know and we've got McKinnon finally getting close well getting to that potential that he had whilst he was a number one pick he came in he had a great first year the second two of the second and third year for him weren't quite as good as they were but the last two years has been the guy's been unstoppable and we're finally getting through some decent D-man and Kyle McCarr is outstanding oh Kamakar is the second coming of Nicholas Lidstrom. It's ridiculous. We've got, we've got Bowen Byram, who we drafted last year as well, to come into that in a couple of years' time, and it, it, it's exciting. I think this year there's there's no real expectation. We've we've, we've performed really well. We're, we're in the top two in the West. It's okay. There's expectation to do well in the playoffs. But if we go two or three rounds in and don't win a cup, I'm not going to be disappointed. If we get knocked out in the first round, I probably will be. But. <laughs> so it, oh, again, this is. For Ben, but obviously, Pete, feel free to chime in. In your opinion, and I know it has been stated in other places, not necessarily by you, but by other media outlets, the mckinnon landeskog Rantanen line is yeah. it the best line in hockey. It's definitely up there, in my opinion. I don't think you can make a case necessarily for there being a best line in hockey, because everyone does their jobs differently, but you could definitely have like a batch of, I'd say five, I could probably think off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if you can say it's the best line in hockey. I think it's definitely up there. When it's when they're at their best, I think it's the most effective one. Because I think you've got everything on that line. You've got yeah, you've got great in Landis You've got Peter McKinnon. You've got the playmaker skills. You've You know, as well as any line, they can blow hot and cold. They've been broken up this year a few times, and they've all performed. And you know, Landis. Rantanen's missed time this year. Landeskog's missed time this year. We've gone through 
injuries when Nate's been carrying the team with back at times. But I, I, I definitely think they're in the argument. And when they're at their best, they're unplayable. Pete, thoughts? Um, I've just realised the link has lied to me. Because <laughs> I've just looked at the standings and they are not the actual teams in the right places. Uh, Would you like to hear the revised? Well, if it does, Pete, your opinion is is the McKinnon line, the score Randon line, the best line in hockey at the moment, or is it up there in your books? It's up there. It's they've they've been scored for fun because it was that and the the line in Calgary. It's the, it's it Calgary, was, the Boston line as well. The pass from Bergeron. You forget it. Like face off king. I think the other thing I'd say about the Avs line is they're now all locked up for two or three years. Yeah. And they're young. Again, they're young. They, they can grow. And if that line is already in discussion now, as an Avs fan, I just can't wait to see what it's going to be like in three years' time. One thing I would say about your team, and I've always said it to you about your team, is your goal netminding is ropey at well, times. Yeah. I, I really don't agree like with that. Room, but however, so the interest, I don't know if you've seen it, I, I pay for a, um, uh, Alf's basically media outlet, independent one over there. Guy's been doing stuff with the team for years. And he actually ran a story yesterday that said the Alves are quite hot and want in on Matt Murray this year um, because that's the one they're looking at doing the trade whenever this summer happens. Mm. Um, because obviously when you look at the fact you've got the expansion draft, You've got the Penguins having to probably going to have to select between Murray and Jari. What do they want to do? You know, which one are they yeah. going to pack? Which one are they going to want to potentially risk losing for nothing, or do they want to trade a guy in now? And I know from what he was saying, the Avs have been looking at him for a while, and potentially we're doing thinking about doing something at the deadline, but to tell you they do it in the summer. And if they can, then basically run with. I think the story kind of said it would be a year's worth of. The three netminders would be Francis Grubauer and then Matt Murray, and it's you pick whichever one you want to go with Matt Murray. And um, if that works, that's again another young player, and he's a two-time Stanley Cup winner. Like if that's the kind of netminder you want. Yeah. So Pete, the revised playoff line. I was just going to say on Murray, if he went, he could do a flurry, go to the Stanley Cup the following season. But the revised. Pretty much the East's not too dissimilar. Uh, the West, though, is Dallas versus the Blackhawks. Oh, that definitely changes it. Dallas still wins. Um, the, oh, I've changed my mind on what would be the best series. I'll come back to this one last, actually. Um, Calgary in the Wild. Calgary. And I think that would then mean they then go on to play the Yeah, so it'd be you against the Flames. Yeah. Have fun, you get Matt Kachuk for seven. So you right. So you got Vancouver versus Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. And and do you want what could be one that I would rather be over seven games? Go on then. Winnipeg versus Arizona. Yeah, I can see why. Um, <laughs> Winnipeg Jets versus the Winnipeg Jets. Arizona <laughs> wearing Winnipeg shirts from 1981. Do it. 
plus it's not that bad a series. And again, like the only real difference between the teams is Connor Hellebuck has been god mode this year. Mm. So, and the revised East is Pittsburgh v the Islanders. Pittsburgh. Uh, Carolina and New York, no change. Sweet! Uh, the Blue Jackets v the Canadians. Blue Jackets. And Toronto versus Florida. Well, they're still Toronto because they still have to lose to Boston next round. Yeah. Uh, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> they would be their number seven yeah, as opposed to being at number eight. Well, that's just what I'd say, Florida win then. Yeah, they just got earlier. <laughs> the guy around earlier, Hi, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's, your... ne- what's next on your list of things to talk about, Pete? Um, one very close to my heart, GB. I'll let you take the lead on this one because uh, your thoughts on GB are well documented. Can we, can we, before you start, can we at least start touch on the nice thing they should have been in the WIHF World Championship starting well now. Obviously, that's been cancelled. So we're still in Division 1 for another year. Yeah. Well, congrats, I have... Boys, congrats. <laughs> have a good summer. Well, I do have the draw for next year. Um, Britain will be going to Belarus, or Minsk, to be precise. Um, in their group, it's not really the group of death, but it's pretty, it pretty much is, if you're in Pule. Uh, so you've got Russia... Sweden, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, Slovakia, Denmark, host nation Belarus, and GB. I'm not sure if it's necessarily controversial, but can I say GB stay up again? Because I think, in that sense, like they beat. I reckon they beat Belarus. The only thing that makes me struggle against Belarus is the fact that they'll have home ice. Yeah, but look what look what good that did Hungary. I was going to say Hungary (laughs) fell apart. And France. Yeah, I mean the one thing I would say, almost like a disclaimer about that group, is say things go really bad for Team GB, they come down next year. I really hope they don't. And I'll be honest, Joe, I agree. I don't think they will. If they did, that group of players has now had the opportunity to play Canada, USA, Russia and Sweden. Like, they've played everybody. Yeah. The draw has been nice enough just to the fact that those guys can look back on their career in 20 years' time and say, I played everybody when they were at their best. Like, the big nations, okay, you're going to put the, the playoff... Again, how do the NHL playoffs work if they're going to start a season in December? Does that affect the worlds that are going to be set for June? Yeah. Um, and if, to be honest, if they turn around and say... We're not sending players to the world. Team GB have got an even better, better chance. Well, it was the um, yeah. Germany in the Olympics one, wasn't it, from yeah. 2018? can't remember how far they got. It was definitely final four, Germany. I want to say. Germany, yeah. Germany yeah. didn't they, get to, the... they got to the final, didn't they? Or... I, think... I can't remember. Sorry, it wasn't Russia, was it? It was the... Oh, was it the neutral athletes? or Olympic athletes. From oh, yeah, yeah, the OAR, wasn't it? I'm with you Joe I genuinely, when I looked at that draw I actually thought they've got as good a chance as they were ever going to have yeah. up again it's never going to be easy you've got to win I mean this year they would have had to have won two games 
because yeah, of they've the, had to finish ahead of somebody else and Belarus to stay yeah. up. Next year, they do what they did last year. They've got to win one game and stay up. As long as it's the right game. But I get a feeling Pete wants to get a bit ranty about GB rather than uh, no, we'll talking about positives. Or do you want to go to the other group and then come back to it? Or Yeah, that's fine. We can we can hold off on your rant for another couple of minutes. So, <laughs> uh, Riga in Latvia. That group is obviously the remaining teams. So that is Canada, US, Italy, Kazakhstan, Norway... Finland, Germany. Yeah, we've definitely got the group of death there, haven't we? Mm. I think, again, mentioning GB, I like the fact Canada are in that group because I think in my head it makes it more likely the Canadians are going to come back to the UK next year as a warm-up game. Uh, they've, yeah. they've agreed, haven't they? Partly. They've said uh, they want to, but I don't think it was ever said this is when they're going to. Yeah. It's kind of like... The GB representative kind of went, yeah, I want it. And the Canadian guy went, we've got every intention to do it. But now they're in different groups, we might begin to hear stuff about dates. I think if it had been drawn and we were playing them on game one, I think it might have been very polite. We'll come back next year. Um, I think they'd wipe the floor with us, but they're not playing that. Well, they did send a touring team, I think, not too long, a few years ago, because of I saw a clip of them playing Cardiff in a fights compilation, which was a bit bizarre, but as it um, is. I mean, it would have been good practice for Cardiff. I mean, they can actually hold their own in the NHL. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's a Twitter thing, Pete. He, he was, a Cardiff fan once famously said that uh, he reckons that the Cardiff Devils would hold their own against the New Jersey Devils and probably win. I mean, to be fair, I'd love to see it in a challenge game. Oh, yeah. Are you sure he didn't mean to say New Jersey? And he forgot he, no, no, he, he saw he the word Devils. He definitely specified that the Cardiff Devils would beat the New Jersey Devils because the Cardiff Devils were that good. This was season before last, was it? When they pretty much yeah. did the Grand Slam? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, that Cardiff team was stacked, but it wasn't quite an NHL level. You know what I say, Joe, about wanting to talk about British ice hockey? Yeah. Just remember. Yeah, I know. We'll save, we'll save that one. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to rant, because it, it's not something I do a lot. Um, give, give us your thoughts, then. <laughs> what, what is your do, main point do, of contention with the GB team? Okay, do you want me to be a positive spin on it, or my personal... Or both. Well, if you go with the personal spinner, then me and Ben can try and address your... Uh... <laughs> I thought you were going to say me and Ben can try and save it, then. Address? It's like I have an illness. It is. You're not a patriot, Pete. Okay, I could not give, <laughs> I could not care less about a GB team. I have absolute... No connection to the team. Uh, I didn't when it was... But I think I've vaguely touched on this maybe on a, a blog due to the Phoenix days uh, when we had Hand as head coach and we literally lost uh, Luke Boothroyd, Tony Hand and our starting goalie in Stephen Murphy 
uh, we wanted to get Steve Phone in as a guest replacement, and we was told we had to get someone that was a literally a backup goalie as best option from the EPL. Not a starting EPL goalie, a backup. And we played the, and we played the Sheffield Steelers both games, and they refused to allow us to have a decent goalie. So maybe that's where it stems from. But either way, I don't think there has... Well, I tell a lie. The only time I've ever been vaguely interested in the GB team was when it used to have the old Roaring Lion logo on the jersey, which was like late 90s. I think in your in your first point there, your problem isn't so much with the GB team as a whole, it's more the scheduling of games. Especially Olympic qualifiers, which is something we found out this year. Unless you properly account for the Olympic qualifying window, then you lose all players. And obviously... I mean, it happened it happened to the, the Cats team four years ago. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, we Stevie had, Lyle. We had Stevie Lyle and Thomas Marcinski both go. And that was that year, that was our team. And uh, if I remember right, that was the weekend as well that they had three games in three nights as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And Stevie went as a late call-up. If I remember rightly, there was no intention for Stevie to go. It was a case of a netminder goes down a week before the tournament. Stephen Murphy got injured. Yeah, I don't remember. Still injured, and he basically went to back at Bouncy, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And because there was the it, whole there was a whole argument of if you've taught Lyle, play Lyle, don't play Bound. And there was the whole. I think that's when people first started. I, I could be wrong. I think it might have been the last time Stevie played for Team GB. I, I don't so, think yeah. he went after that. No. Yeah, they basically panicked and went, "What? Well, who's the best one available? Uh, uh, yeah, Lyle. Mm. Yeah, um, again, I, can, I remember talking to the guys after the game on the Sunday um, and hearing that Stevie, was, we knew Thomas was going and that was... We, that was yeah, that one was planned yeah. for. If I remember that was planned. Thomas was well aware of it. Part of that Poland team. He, he's been capped in recently. He, he was a big player for them, and that was we prepared ourselves at the start of the season. Okay, it wasn't great. It was to happen to be the weekend. We had three games in three days, but then we lost the starting goal five days before. We did that, and we weren't prepared for it. And I, I'm trying to think who we would have had in net that weekend. I'm guessing uh, it was Jordan Headley. Jordan Headley. It was Jordan Headley because yeah. I went to the game in. Basingstoke on the Saturday and it was Headley starting and Lewis Maguire was the backup. Yeah, he was. It was the year it was the same year that Stevie quit and came back. Yeah, it was the Brown Pass. Yeah. But I think, I think where we it, went. It's also a, it's also a point as well of like Olympic windows, the Elite League seems to somewhat cater for them. I mean the example I can think of many for this year's one was that there was only about four Elite League games that took place over the same weekend that GB were playing in Nottingham. Mm. And if you look down the list, like I think it was only two players out of the six teams that played were actually playing in the tournament. Whereas, obviously, in Ben's example there, the Wildcats, in the second tier of English ice hockey, it's a lot more difficult to basically agree on fixtures. And I mean, you, yeah, they don't really take into account the Olympic windows. No, and I'm not for one second suggesting... Obviously, then it was EPL. Now we're the National League. It's still the second tier. I'm not for one second suggesting no. second tier hockey shouldn't play over the fourth Olympic weekend because it's rare. You know, we accepted Thomas was going. That's a, it's a different team. That's not GB. That's 
it's irrelevant. We just go apart with that. Um, but there's definitely, I think since Pete's taken over Team GB, I think the focus has switched to a more sensible approach that there needs to be some kind of, like you said this year, you have the Olympic qualifiers in Nottingham and the elite league teams that play, two players missed. If you're not picking anybody from picking two teams at random, you're not picking anybody from, I don't know, Fife and, Fife and Dundee or Fife and Guildford, why can't they? Okay, some of their fans are potentially missing out on seeing Team GB at, in this case in Nottingham, but keep the fixtures going as much as you can. You just kind of be sensitive about it. Yeah, but as people say, about the whole not liking GB, <laughs> Pete, this is going to make you feel weird. I agree with you. I'm not a massive GB fan. I'm not to the extent of like hating them because they call it players and they disappear during games. My main problem with GB is the whole idea of and again, we can touch this when we do things improving British hockey, is the idea that most of the team isn't British. <laughs> it's guys who've lived over here for three years, so they count as a Brit now, or two years now, I think is the case to do. Like, I've never, because I mean, I've only been to one GB game. Uh, I went to watch GB Poland in Coventry five years ago now. It's a fun game, it's a fun night, but if you ask me what happened in that game... Can't for watching me tell you what happened. Every time GB's played in the World Championships the last couple of years, I've kind of like you, you. You do that usual thing you do with most teams you're a casual fan of. You kind of go, "What's the score?" Yeah. Typical. Oh, cool. And you, you move on with your life. To be, to be I didn't fair, watch that's... any of the World Championships last year. I'll hold my hands up. That I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> but, I was gonna I'd... say because it's not so much I hate the national team. It's the fact. Like I said, I don't feel connected with them, kind of yeah. like with the men's football team. Don't. I, no, I don't Does, even connect with the men's football team. Yeah. They're awful. It's it's literally a case of... Oh, this is the, the one thing that always struggle to get my head around. You'll have people complaining about sort of like the GB team. And then... They'll be. It'll go up to the league season, and you'll have people basically taking pot shots, and kind of saying, "Bounds is a crap goalie," and you look at who the supporting at Sheffield. It's the constant kind of well bitch fest, basically, and it kind of just. It's almost like watching football fans talking about the national team. It's exactly the same. Scenario. I think I. It's probably a nice way of doing it. Obviously, I'm probably a little bit more of a GB fan than maybe you guys are. The way the way it's (laughs) like sounding. Like don't get me wrong. I don't sign up. I don't sign up to go to all their the away tournaments. I don't go every year. I'm not part of the the videos you see of the GB fans walking out of rinks cheering and singing the same song they've sung for the last three years. But it's always nice to see the national team succeed. The last three years, and again, since, since Pete's taken over from a, from a world championship perspective, I think you can't fault it. They've been incredible. One yeah. of the, the only team ever to win back-to-back goals and I think maybe it was one of the first teams with a certain date to do that and then go up and stay up and the, the game I, I remember watching the game 
the, the two last two Team GB games I've watched properly, intently, and cleared my calendar to watch were the France game last year and the, the game the year before. Hungary. And both of them, I remember sitting in the harbour, the link, the, next to the link, the Harvey, watching both games on all the big screens, and it was a really weird environment with 40, 50 people in the pub watching ice hockey in a pub, cheering, and just like, yeah, you're used to it with football, and not, yeah. not with hockey, and it, it was nice, but yeah, I get what you mean, it is, I, I do get fed up with the GB fans that say, a, a classic example is, Oh, Bouncy's overrated for Cardiff, but he's superb for GB. Well, no, Bouncy's the same goalie. Yeah. As a matter what jersey he's if, wearing. If Bounce is overrated, he wouldn't be going off to play in the EBL next year. That's what I'm saying. If, if some of those Team GP players weren't as good as they were, they wouldn't be in the top level of the World Championship and stayed there for a year. Okay, it's easy for them to say, you won two gold medals, one of them was on home ice, and one of them you scored in the last dying seconds, otherwise you wouldn't be there. But, hey, they competed. They didn't get... Okay, certain games last year they got annihilated. The, the Canadians certainly had their fun with them and other teams... The Americans from what the Exactly. Okay, that scoreline may read... I can't remember what that game finished now. I think I want to say 8-3 or, or something like that. It was a it was a big-ish win, but they competed in that game. Mm. The other one, yeah. I think, the reason for why I don't necessarily... Not, again, not hating... But something you said is like you cleared your calendar to watch those games, and you know me better than most here, Brenda. I don't have a, necessarily the ability to clear my calendar <laughs> from the end of our season. <laughs> For me, most people won't know. I basically go straight from the end of the playoff final on a Sunday, and then that week I'll be in cricket mode. I don't get that time off to watch. TV. Yeah, and I remember last year playing. I was like, I started playing cricket again last summer, and I remember. I think it was the GB Germany game. I was, I was umpiring. I had my bloody Apple Watch on with the goal notification from Team GB. Like you, there is that. And I don't blame certain fans. And I'm sure they're out there. I don't know if you guys are or me or whoever. But when they, when the hockey season finishes, I guess in the past it's always kind of been the Coventry weekend. That's always kind of finished it for yeah. us at our levels of hockey. Yeah. But I don't blame people who want to pitch off and kind of. you know stop maybe something else. Yeah, do something else and yeah. GB's on, but when you're not sat watching it, I don't blame people for forgetting about it. But they deserve every credit for, for what they've done. 100%. But it's, I think another reason as part of the, the connection is, as you said, they've done back-to-back promotions, stayed in the top flight. It's times like that you'd think everyone from every single team and league could kind of come together and try and boost the sport. And it just never really seems to happen. I mean, it, it really, it should be being shouted at by every kind of like fan that goes to watch. If it was football, everyone would be saying England are kind of like world champions are semi-finalists because that's all we've ever seemed to be good well, at I, I mean I appreciate they're not you can't really compare football and ice hockey but you look at what the Team GB national team did they won they won the back-to-back promotions and they stayed up for them was a massive achievement yeah. in the top five you look at what Team what Team GB England did in the football hmm. they won what one group in that weird Cup of Nations thing 
that everyone thought was going to be fantastic. And all of a sudden, it was England are going to win, win a trophy. England yeah. are going to seal the demons since 1966. And it was like, hang on a minute, you've just beaten Spain twice. I, I think you'll find we, we won the, uh, the Tournoi in 1998. Yeah. Yeah. I was five. I was... I don't want what to say. But I just think double digits. I'll put it that way. I think when you put the the what they've done in comparison, I'm, I guess this is mainly a knock on the British media, and I accept that they're not gonna report ice hockey to the same level and and do stuff like that. But what that DGB team has done in the last three years can't help but feel like what more have they got to do to get a little bit of coverage? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I don't think there's much more they can do. They're not going to go away. The last, particularly the last eight years when I've been following it, it's like the only time hockey ever really seems to get any form of coverage is when something bad has happened. No names mentioned at all. Derek Campbell, Matt Nickerson. <laughs> Just for two examples that leap off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of the incident this year. Because you had him staying up against France. And then there was something that happened, and I can't think for the life of me, because I just remember people going, British ice hockey, take one step forward and then shoot itself, and I can't remember what it was. We always do that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But, uh... well, since we're on British ice hockey, should we touch on the news yesterday of the Blackburn Hawks Seamless moving down to NIHL North 2? Yes, king of segways, thank you. <laughs> I mean, the, here's a question for both of you. Go on. I know that you like questions, especially you, Joe. And me. When was the last summer where somebody didn't move leagues in British ice hockey? Because I'm struggling. <laughs> it does kind of feel I mean, like... So the first as soon as the sun comes out, somebody somewhere like... I'm better believe than So the first year I started following it back properly was 2012-2013. And I don't think there's been a year since then that someone hasn't either dropped out, moved to a different league, moved to a different rink since. Yeah. Mm. I think this was probably more aimed at Pete. Like, so there's been a lot of talk about how since they removed the famous Blackburn Centre Ice Hump, the, the rink... Absolutely. <laughs> Tragically. Tragically removed the Blackburn Centre Ice Hump. The rink's actually of an elite league standard, people have said. I don't know honestly how much of that is true. It's... You probably having been to the rink will have a better view of this. It's if it was managed better, it would be a brilliant venue for Elite, because it's it's a massive rink. This, the viewing is decent. It could... Oh, I can't find... It's, it's far better than Altrincham, for a start. Well, that's not difficult. Um, I was going to say... I'm trying to think how I can compare it. I, Sheffield. Imagine that, but nicer and a lot bigger. <laughs> Imagine Ice Sheffield, but nicer. Yeah. Okay, maybe maybe not so much the maybe not so much the uh, the state pies there, 
because they're nice. Otherwise, always the highlight of the season, the pie in Sheffield. Oh yes, that's the only reason I go, other than pop stop. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, you've probably seen the photos I've put of Blackburn, so yeah, it's it's pretty much that. There's that, and it's just a it's a massive venue. I mean, if it was had really decent owners, top-notch owners, and they had a far bigger budget, they would easily get maybe 75 to 80% crowds. Or well, close to a sellout. It's funny you should say if they had better owners and a better budget. So when I was looking this up when we said we were going to talk about this, Something that's happening. This is something off of THF from someone who is quite clearly involved at Blackburn from the way they've spoken about mm. it. I can, I, can, I can think of one person, but... Takeovers have been explored previously, with backers willing to put their money where their mouth is. Each time it fell down because the rink, pre-Planet Ice days, refused to relinquish control of what was a cash cow for them. Planet Ice folk came to making noises that 1,500, 1500 average gates get should be the norm. Average is about 600 to 800 in Division 1. It looked to have dropped last season. But they failed miserably to deliver on that. Marketing is dreadful, treatment of players is poor, engagement with fans is lousy. A lot of people have walked away from the club over the past years as they are disillusioned with how it's run and how they are treated. Limited social spend in the town means they should be working doubly hard to keep folk on side, but they don't. The fact this PR went out without any apparent consultation with the team, its supporters, or players speaks volume of the culture down there. <clears throat> That's, I mean, we always hear stories of that, of like oh. press releases of that kind of ilk just being thrown out there and players just be like, oh, okay, well, that's news to me. And well, I know a few, I know a few people that's worked, shall we say, there. And they're of the same thing of they've moved away from there. Due to... When you look down the Hawks roster from last year, the big name that obviously leapt out of it was James Neal hmm. as player coach, I want to say. Yes, that, player coach. Yep. There is no way that that man should be playing in Division 2 North next year. And I'm not sure he will. If he does, fair play to him. But that man is still capable of playing in the National League if he wanted to. There is absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be playing in that level, not North 2, Plus if he sticks around. Well, in, interestingly, as you just said it, I kind of went on, just quickly opened up James's uh, Elite Prospects profile. I did not realise he played one game for the Leafs Chiefs last year. Yes. Yes, it was a loan deal alone. in Sheffield, I believe. It was the... That's kind of the perfect setup for that guy, really. I think it was the first, first or second game they played because they had like a massive everyone. I think it was when they were going to move into the new rink and then it got delayed. Then it got delayed again. Then it got delayed again. So it was kind of like the Phoenix version 2. Um, but when they all left, uh, Neil jumped on board to help out. But the... But they do. I, if he wants to play in North One because of his job, hmm. uh, job outside of hockey, then that's perfectly understandable. There's a lot of guys who do it nowadays. Yeah. But North Two, I mean, as as the person behind the NHL stats page on Twitter, 
All I can say to you from looking through all of that stuff, North 2 is rubbish. I've, I've watched a couple of North 2 games, by the way. And your thoughts on that are? Um, you know we were talking about empty rinks? And you Just can hear, say they're rubbish, Pete. We and you can you hear everything. It's the only yeah. time I've ever watched a, a brawl on the ice and wall and actually heard the, the noise of fist on skin. In, it wasn't the best, but it, then again, it's like. not it's not tailored to be the best. So no, but that club is like I remember mostly they won Division One not that long ago. They've won a few obviously. things, Blackburn. In truth, but no, as in they they won Division One North from like a few years ago. So someone can one of you two can have a look. It was literally on their page. They won it, it. The, the last time they won it was fifteen sixteen. Yeah, it was just yeah, before and, the. All the teams kind of moved down. And now they're dropping out and effectively kicking out their dreadful second team from North 2. Like, well, the, the thing as well was they had the Blackburn Eagles won the North 2. North 2. And then due to... I could be wrong on this, but from recollection... Uh, the ice went up, the ice rental, to which they wanted to move one of the teams out. So they kept the league champions out. Kept Hawks 2, which were doing absolutely nothing. Um, and we're getting jumped kind of like 22-0 pretty much every game. So you had the Blackburn Hawks and then you literally just had like Hawks 2. So... Uh, it's it's a very weird scenario no matter which way you really the, cut it in the end it's it's one of them teams where you you kind of say it's a bit of a sleeping giant earl if if someone came in and really marketed it really well it could easily push itself up there however it's, it's, they don't seem to want to because there's so many teams across British hockey you look at and go They've got, I won't say everything perfect off the ice, but they've got a decent team, they've got not bad following, they've got they're generally fairly stable for what that word means in British hockey nowadays, yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but generally. But the one thing I've always said is, they haven't quite got a rink. Blackburn, I've seen to have got it the other way around. They've <laughs> got the rink. The structure the is there. Like, the, the rink is there, the ice pad obviously just been redone a year ago. That's obviously pretty fresh. You know, Worst they've thing. got a big rink there. Like you said, if they can just get someone to get the right owner with the right marketing team, the potential in that I mean, that area of the UK as well yeah. is massive. Because Rovers aren't really doing much, so... All hell the chicken farmers. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hawks, <laughs> chickens. It's, it's sad to see... I won't, I'm not necessarily going to say it's sad to see it a name like that dropped to two, but just a club with that kind of potential, if they could realise it and, and find it, playing in North 2. The, the problem is, it, all hell breaks loose in the North now. North one's a 16 league as it stands. I doubt the Nottingham Lions would want to stay in that league, if that were the case. So he's had two years of getting spanked all over. That brings it down to five. Murrayfield, if rumours are to be believed, 
aren't interested in stepping into North One at all. No, they want to. Their idea is wanting to still go into the elite, which can't really see really happening because the owners don't want to. The only thing I've seen online, I'd be interested to pick your brains on this one, Joe, is could you do it and split it North Conference, Midlands Conference, South Conference? As in the whole of the North, the whole of Division One. Not the whole of the North, but you get you bring Murrayfield in, but they're playing with Solway, Whitley. They're not necessarily travelling down to Solihull. Hmm. Are we saying in terms of the whole of Division One, so North One, South yeah. One from the last year? Yeah, and then you put you you basically make slightly smaller divisions, but you include the Midlands one. Is that feasible? I don't know. Because that would probably suit people like Solihull better, not having to go to Scotland. It's one of those things that, in practicality, yes. In practice of it actually being done, probably not. So, from my dealings in what goes on in the first division is that, especially in the South one, there is a big thing about not wanting to travel too far. Yeah. So, if you think, as I said last year, the North, the difference was you have Sullyhull, which essentially is Birmingham, mm. going to Dumfries. Well, I don't know off the top of my head how far that is, but it's going to be a good few hours round trip. Like, they are... It's fairly bit because obviously last year they did the Midlands Cup, yeah, which was Sully Hull, Nottingham, Witness, and I want to say Blackburn were in it. Probably. So Probably, you yeah. could take those four feasibly, but the problem is then it's like you have a fourteen league. You then either need to convince someone to come up from North or South two to join that conference, or at least make it maybe six teams. Because the problem you've got with South one at the moment is you've got. The stretch doesn't so much go that far north. It goes east to west. The yeah. The western team and south one obviously being Cardiff Fire. The furthest eastern team is the, either Chelmsford or Invicta in the east. But for us, the farthest north they go is Milton Keynes. Yeah. Now, Milton Keynes, obviously, as we know from the National League, get classed as a northern team because they're closer to the M1. Mm. So that could work if you could convince them, particularly where most of the Milton Keynes team is essentially the old Coventry Blaze team, mm. North 2 team. The Blaze apparently are coming back in North 2 next year anyway, so you could potentially move, just say, do you want to go in this league instead? The other option, obviously, is the Peterborough Phantoms 2 team in South 2, again, where they're kind of in that sort of midlands range in comparison to where all the other hockey teams are. It's... I mean, it's very much one of those things. When you say when you say out loud, do North, Middle, and South, I say absolutely yes. That's brilliant. It cuts travel time down. It, it will cut all those things down. The only downside to it is saying no because there are other teams' owners who won't want to do it because oh well, we're only playing the same teams over and over again. Yada yada yada. So I completely throw things wild. This is my brain just running on ten different tangents at this point. What would you reckon if that was if you if that worked North, Midland, and South? Would you reckon six teams in each, eighteen teams, <sighs> and then potentially a one-off crossover for everybody? Not necessarily everybody, but it um, depends. On, so, I mean, if you're looking at North, South one last year, there were ten teams in South one and seven in the North. Yeah, I'm looking so at the SNL into this. You've got ten teams in there. If you could persuade a Solway, Murrayfield, and maybe. 
you've got two teams in Dundee, maybe one one of those teams. Paisley was another one I saw mentioned in that yeah. kind of talk okay. as well. And the other, <coughs> I mean, I don't really know how they did it. They played nine games in that league. It was a Belfast Giants SNL team. I don't. I think that team would die in that scenario. Cause... I think it would. But if you've got, say, you say you could persuade Solway, Murrayfield, and Paisley to go in a north with Whitley, Billingham, Billingham, five. You need another SNL team. Kakadi. Yes. Yeah. The Castros. That, that could work. And then a Midland is what you'd have. Blackburn, Nottingham, Solihull. Telford 2? Telford 2 is not a bad shame. Uh, uh, I would probably then that's say MK Thunder, Peterborough. Yeah. And then, but then again, probably you've then got below that is you've then got eight teams in South 1. So they, they constantly run it as, as that. I know <laughs> I know for a fact from talking to people in South 1 this year that there are some players who would welcome it only being a 28-game season because, and this is just me saying it here, they're lazy. Um, and there's some who wouldn't because it's only 28 games, it's not really a full season. It, it's interesting. I mean, the only other suggestion I've heard, obviously, logic would, in an absolute ideal world, say you lose, you leave Lost Blackburn out of the North, perfect club to come in would be Murrayfield. Yeah. I, there's many reasons why they probably won't on their own, but if you could set up a North, Midlands, and a South somehow, I think that would be underneath the National League. That would be the dream scenario. It, it, it's one of those things. Practicality-wise, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would it happen because of owners? Absolutely not. Because they they wouldn't do it. We know we know for a fact that obviously there are some owners in up and down hockey who don't like change, they don't like anything being different and are quite happy being in their own little bubble and will throw, well, slanderous comments and other bitchy moments they have around on their website, on Facebook and Twitter for several months after certain incidents have happened. Well, well, I've got one idea that can be easily poo-pooed, so to speak. I'll say, I'll say the... The basis, and the immediate reaction's going to be no instantly. Having, but still keeping the north, south, central idea. One league, but then, kind of, as you said, having the north, basically like the conference system. So... so that kind of be like what they've done in the National League people seem to have, and me included, to be fair, kind of forgotten about where there is actually a North and South Conference. Yeah, so you'd play your own conference, probably free home, free away, but then you would play each team from the other conference, depending how many teams are in that league, you could play them once, <coughs> once home, once away. Because then you'd only... It's one of them things where it'll kind of be interesting or like to see it, but at the same time, it's not going to be feasible. Thing of, again, it goes to that thing of like <coughs> practicality-wise. Yeah. I'd absolutely want to see that. There is no reason why I wouldn't want to go see a South League North game. Anytime you get to see it, it's at Coventry. 
But the diff- the problem with that is, is, say you took the 17 teams that are there this year and you move one from the south to the north, that's MK. Hmm. You're then looking at making MK go to Solway. And that's hey, a massive thing. If, if you're talking of a crossover game, that could be a weird scenario. <laughs> Where Solon as well go to Solway. I mean, I'd love, I'd love a road trip like that, but I mean, there's a road trip, and there's a road trip and a half. You know, from my there's 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 people who uh, obviously wouldn't approve of that. They barely approve of going to Cardiff on a Sunday, let alone uh, I, Scotland on a Saturday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're throwing ideas around to what that, what the Division One side of the NIHL can do. It's a little bit unbalanced. I don't mm. think Blackburn dropping down necessarily kills the North League. No, it's just it needs restructuring. They've got to think. Carefully it's it's needed it. restructuring for a long time. Yeah, but, the, the South seems yeah. to have some semblance of kind of an idea. Well, the where, only time the South really had issues was when the EPL went bust and everybody dropped down. That was when you had a lot of teams who who were paid to play but basically couldn't admit it. and again me <laughs> me being the snitch here we Solent were going to be in South 1 up until the point it was confirmed that the Wildcats the Bison and the Bees were all dropping down and the main reason for it and we got again lambasted on everything for it because we always seem to be the doom bringer that everyone can take the mick out of we are a pay-to-play club with a capacity of 350. Like You're talking teams like the Bison, the Beans, the Wildcats, the Phantoms, all being in a league, all expecting to bring travelling fans, and you're basically going to have to go, oh, sorry, you're only allowed 40, max. To be honest... Like, with, a, with, with no ticketing system, and there's, I can't get into that reason, but there's a reason why the Devils do not sell pre-advanced tickets, for the most part. And it's, uh, it's definitely an off-air conversation to have. But... I was going to say, because I remember the, the, early, or the first year or two years of Phoenix going into the EPL, there was a lot of travelling fans coming. And then it was almost like, rumour went round of, yeah, don't go to the rink. And then it was pretty much like two or three people from every fan base coming up for games. But we'd take kind of like the same nutty group that always goes yeah. to like the away games. Uh, but, but I'm, not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But oh, no, 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 no. Like, it's, go, it's going purely on the devil's thing again. It's like it is a case of you have a tiny rink. And when the EPL collapsed is when... So it was us, it was Oxford, it was Chelmsford, it all dropped down. All three are pay-to-play clubs. Mm. I know everyone has this idea that Chelmsford are this big money-bags team. That is, but they simply aren't. It's all the money that the fans put in, which we know is the lifeblood of any hockey team. So when the National League came back and everyone else moved up, it was, oh, OK, now you've come back. And it's like, well, no, it was the level they always intended to play at. The only reason they couldn't is, i use an example again, you're taking the Solent Devils and comparing it to the Swindon Wildcats. You think budget-wise, you think facilities-wise, you think teams-wise, that is not a level playing field in the slightest. If we'd have stayed in that league, we'd have gotten slapped by double digits. We'd have been the Invicta Dynamos, but worse. Like, it never made sense to stay in the league. And that's the only time they've dropped out. You think since then, now everything's gone back to normal this year, the league was fine. 
like other than MK and Cardiff, who were very stretched thin, both teams, by the end of it, the top eight were capable of beating each other on any given night. Something like Romford yeah. ran I mean, I'm, 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 I'm looking at the now. I'm picking so much. You had, you had double the amount of wins the team in eighth place did. That's probably about right as a runner-up to the league. Program. But this, this is the thing. When you look at that as well, and it's like you think, we beat Streatham, we lost to Oxford, who beat Chelmsford, who... Lost to Invicta, who lost to Rumford. And, yeah. Like you could do the whole wheel thing if you were sued and going Cardiff, but it's it's one of those things. It's like it, the league was competitive again. I know everyone looks at the whole thing and goes, "Oh, Stratham only lost one game all year." It's like, yeah, and they had to bloody work hard in two others against then three others. It's like, and I think I genuinely think the national, the south. And probably the South too as well. I think have found their levels. The it's one thing I think is South too is going to Pete's idea again. I would like to see them play each crossover other. games East v yeah. West, even yeah. if it's just one game. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that's the one tweak I'd make for that. But I think the teams that are in the National, the South One, and the South Two, I think have found their level. I think everyone's yeah. right now. There's going to be slight tweaks to rules and there's talk of the national side of things being import levels and blah, blah, blah. That's what it is. The teams, I think, are right. I think the North just needs tweaking a little bit more. I think they'll get... There are teams in the wrong place in the North, that's the problem. Yeah, that's what I think. That's where it is now. I don't think there's going to... I don't want to say anything. As long as clubs can survive coronavirus, I don't think we're going to see masses of league changes in the next five years. I th- yeah, it's saying the coronavirus thing is obviously a big impact on it. And I don't think it much, I don't think it affects us so much the pay-to-play clubs. No, if you think of it, pay-to-play clubs don't have to worry about income coming in to pay like head coaches. They don't have to worry about paying like the some of the off-ice stuff. Like again, I'm going to use use example the Wildcats do, the Bison do, the Bees do, the Phoenix probably did when they were a thing. But when you're not a pay-to-play club and you have to worry about paying. Well, not so much ice time, but everybody else around it. And you're looking at the finances for next season. You probably need to think, well, what's going to happen? I think the other advantage that the clubs have got outside the elite, if uh, it has been rumoured a couple of times in the last two months since since COVID arrived, say the government say, right, you're going to put a ban on sport. No, no crowds over a thousand people. Cool. Okay, that would have, that would have a slight detriment to Swindon for certain games. It would probably have an impact, like you said, at maybe Basingstoke. Maybe depends on what depends on any more seats disappear in Basingstoke over the summer. Um, maybe um, maybe obviously Milton Keynes would, because they frequently sell out that elite league rink. But if the government say there are no sporting events over a thousand people, I'm not being funny. Down in Solent, they're just going to do business as usual. Well, pro- yeah, we have like everyone seems to think like, oh, it's just a white ring. It's, it's really not. It's really so much worse. But it's if they implement social distancing, if they just say yeah. right, no more than a thousand people in, absolutely yeah. fine, yeah. you can do all that. Yeah. The problem is if they say you're only allowed people and they have to stay two six two meters apart. We were trying to work it out, and we reckoned that it would bring the capacity down from three hundred and fifty to about forty. Like that's the issue, and it's, it's the same again as if you think, if you think in any bigger like stadium or arena with seats. If you think about it, if you stuck 
person in seat 1A. And you're thinking, six feet apart, that essentially is three rows up and three seats across. Yeah. Like, you think the amount of... Yeah, I, I mean, I have the mass. Probably should, I probably should do the maths on it for the balcony at the link. It's going to take the capacity down to probably less than a third of what you'd usually get. That's the problem. 100% it would. Mm. But I, that, I think that's where, if, if we can get to a point in the next three months where social distancing either gets produced or is only needed, say it's only needed at events of over a thousand people, I think the elite league... I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. No. But for the teams outside the National League, with the exception of probably about four clubs, I think they'll just start up again, maybe a little bit late in October, November. But if that's where we get to, then they'll just carry on through it as normal. Or as close to normal as they can get. You turn around and say you can only have a thousand people at a game against Sheffield versus Nottingham. Good luck. I don't know where you start on that one. Again, doesn't matter what you do, you're going to annoy somebody. Yeah. The only two things that come into my mind about how they try and work around it is almost kind of what they do in the German league for for football. Of you basically put down the games you want for tickets, and it's like the um, the lottery. So you basically apply for that game, and if you get a certain amount of tickets put your name forward if you get it you get a ticket for that the only other way is doing a webcast but yeah. then yeah. It, you kind of you, you lo- you'd be losing money trying to set it all up but on the other hand you would get so you would make a small Maybe too not too much of a profit, but you'd get well, it, so it's, many. It's like what you said last week with the um, German league, and I think you said it was like five ninety nine. You can get basically every single game. Yeah. Mm. And I did see this actually get mentioned on CHF this week in regards to the elite league, as if you manage to get a sponsor come in and basically not so much bankroll it, but give them enough money to basically set up the ability to webcast every single mm. rink. It, and then you charge people nine ninety nine a month. They can watch any game they want. It's, it's, I'd absolutely sign up for that. Well, it's, I think the other thing that people have got, and I guess it's for companies. Yeah, okay, things are going to be struggling. They're not going to be looking to start new sponsorship deals or like you said, plan for yeah. But I think if you turn around to someone and said, and I guess the, the in you probably got here, and it's going to sound weird, it's probably through Cardiff. If you're talking the elite, league, hmm. you've got Peacocks sponsoring them, middle of a fixed um, comp. Now. If you turn around to Peacock and said, go and pay for a league to have cameras in every rink, stream it online, pay for the website, that's probably going to be quite a lot of money. But mm. for British hockey, it probably isn't. No. You could probably do that on five I mean, And we're not actually talking much. Like, you'd, what, you'd need ten main cameras in each rink. Most of them have their own anyway. Yep. Maybe a couple of sporty ones behind the goal for replays, stuff like that. Like it sounds, obviously, it is a huge operation, and it's not as easy as I'm trying to make it out sound. But yeah. if given the option, if someone turned around to you and said, "Look, nine ninety nine a month, you can watch every elite league game this season," well, I've, I've... would you would you sign up for it? Yeah. Mm. Although 
with a slight caveat from me on the fact that I think it would have to be as long as they were available for seven days. No, I mean, as in they're just there all time. Oh, if they're there, perfect. The whole, the whole time, it's a website. Literally, you just log in, you find, you say you pick the Cardiff Devils and you want to go back and find a game from, say, last October, yeah, four yeah. months oh, ago, two months kind, ago. Kind of like Elite League Game Centre, like we yes. kind of said. Yeah, yeah like you said last week. If, yeah. they, if they did that with the Elite League website, and they said, right, 10 quid a month, you have every single game this season. But, you know, I'd do, though, for that. And like, I know you said, like, the seven days. If he was doing that... I'd have a like um unless it's a live game, then I would probably have like a two three day delay of like the replay of it. Yeah, but you, you could come up with lo- you could come up with loads of options for it, but yeah. it's it's one of those things like it might be a necessary thing they have to look at if it hasn't all gone to back to normal by the start of the season. Is like can we run something that is not necessarily going to get us all of our money back that we usually get this time of year, but at least it's getting us some of our money back at this time of year. I guess the one thing that we can be thankful for from a British hockey perspective is oh, I'm so glad this happened in March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this had arrived last set, let's say last October, we'd have played six weeks of the season and then bam, coronavirus is here. Yeah. That's when I I try to think what state the leagues would be in from elite league to south two. I'd... From from a hockey perspective, it's brilliant. From a person who is heavily involved in professional cricket, I want to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I, I understand. I completely get that. And also, you know, I play rec cricket. And, you know, I'd love to be out there, especially on days like this. You know, nothing would be better. But I do think. Cricket is in a better state than British hockey is to get through this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I dread to think, I've said it to a few people, I dread to think what would have happened if this had arrived in October, November last year and we'd have been locked down for two months and clubs are, have agreed to, I don't know, pay players or ice time. Or ice time and they're then trying to get back because I don't know how all that stuff really works, but you just assume that, yeah, it would have been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. What would you have done with the league? You'd have then had complete pressure to get that restarted whereas now okay we've all lost the playoffs we've lost the playoffs actually now to be fair if this had come back in November I'd have been alright so I would have been league champs <laughs> hey depending when they'd have called it the Cats might have been too yeah that probably would have it um yeah it, that's not, disclaimer that's not what I'm saying <laughs> um it is it, yeah it's 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 nice and I hope it's not nice but I hope that people are using the time to think we've got the time to think I think that's what we wouldn't have had if this had happened and then all of a sudden we're talking about you've got to make a decision within three days we're now talking you've now got four months to to find the right path or what we think is the best path it's again like you said it's not going to be you're not going to please everybody when this if and when we start up again you're going to have people that are disappointed and I'm quite happy with it, but you've got to please the majority. I'm just looking at the DL2 uh, packages you can get at the moment, but it's not telling me. I think you said it was five ninety nine yeah. for your team. Yeah, it's it's about five five fifty. Yeah, so five fifty. Sorry, 
six euros fifty for a one game. What it's basically one camera, but um, you get the replays yeah, you, and. You'd and absolutely commentary. take it. That's the thing. Yeah. But then they think it's because Romford in South One were charging four quid to stream their games this mm. year. Also, it's the same camera they use for the national games, and obviously the amount of away fans who, again from Cardiff, from Salem, from Bracknell, who won't go to Romford, but mm. can then just sit and watch it. Yeah. Like, and yeah. it, it's something that most schools have to look at, I reckon, for next year, especially at the start of the season, maybe the first I think six weeks. Hundred percent from a league perspective, I think it almost has to be essential. I don't see how they can get through it without streaming. I think from again from a national level, yeah. But again, it comes down to what what clubs are doing well, and what to like. I know, I know we've talked Joe before about streaming, like from the two clubs that we 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 help out and do stuff with. It's like from a swimming perspective, we've got a really nice balcony at the side of the ice rink, which you could set a camera up, centre ice and pan left, pan right, without quite happily. Hmm. But probably can't do that in so long. I know we've talked before when you've done your highlight packages. It's been a GoPro at each end of the ice. Yeah, and there is. I think the further you go down the British Hockey League chain, I think you're going to encounter more issues with it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at, I'm thinking in my head of the, the National League, which I've not been to Leeds yet, I don't know what they're like, but I think pretty much everyone else is set, people do it already. Sheffield have got the balcony, we've got a spot for the have got it before, Bracknell have got two tiers all around the ice rink. I was going to say, have you been to, oh, you've been to Altrincham, haven't you? Or, Me? Yeah. I have, I've never made it. <laughs> Did you ever go to the Big Blue Tent at Cardiff? Yeah, I've done the BBT. That's, it's basically that. Which is now in Leeds. <clears throat> yeah. It basically took it down and moved it to Leeds. Yeah. Um, so I, I think from a national perspective, pretty much everyone's doing it. I'm trying to think, oh, again, they've got... Like, everyone does highlight packages, and in my head, if you're doing highlight packages, you've got the camera position. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but it, the only team in the elite that don't have it is Glasgow. No, Glasgow do. Mm. Glasgow have a yeah, decided now. Oh, Guildford, sorry. Guildford, Guildford. Yeah, one, yeah. Brea didn't want to do one. Nottingham didn't, and then I think they've started him up. But Guildford's the only one. Guildford still use the thing of ice hockey's best live. It's like we know that we just can't get there. Yeah. <clears throat> so. The problem as well with Guildford is, again, it's much like the similar situation Altrincham has, that the camera is never centralised. What about the New York Islanders when it was at the Nassau Coliseum? It's, it was always on the blue line. Better cameras, though. Yeah. You say that. So I think there was one more point that Pete had noted down, and it was the NWHL, I believe. Um, I might as well give a slight quick briefing on the on the women's side of things because I, I like to try and get as much different hockey forms in as I can um, we'll go to the slightly story that happened a couple of weeks ago uh, and that was the Cologne Sharks women's side moving up into the Bundesliga 1 in the women's league uh, at the misfortune of kind of state rivals in DEG Dusseldorf or Dusseldorf EG because uh, they had to 
basically pull out because they had so many problems with all different things. Um, but s this is like a a little side thing. Um, a couple of years ago, Cologne were called the Cologne Brownies, and had nothing to do with uh, cakes. Anyway, that's awkward. <clears throat> yeah. So they changed from the Cologne Brownies to the Cologne Sharks. There is a longer version, but I can't remember. I think it's Cologne Hockey Club something or other. Uh, so yes, they've moved up into the, the women's season for next year. And in the National Women's Hockey League, it sees the unveiling of a sixth new team in Toronto so they become the first Canadian side to join the American League um, does anyone want to take a guess at why they are called the Toronto Six because they are the sixteen in the league that isn't the reason <laughs> they are but <laughs> well they are you can't, you can't really. I can't say you're wrong, but that's not the actual reason they're called Toronto Six. Okay, I don't know, but I'm going to take an another another guess. Go on. To be honest, I was actually thinking of you, Ben, to give me the answer because I know you've I was been. I to say, is it some kind of link to the original Six and the fact that Toronto were included in the men's side of the game and just the history side of things? Much like Joe last week, correct, but on a wrong at the same time the amount of decades it'll take for them to win a total uh, it is it is due to original six but not hockey it's due to these six cities within Toronto right, so okay. that is why they call <sighs> Toronto six such a stupid to, to be honest, whenever I look at like the NWHL and I look at the team names, compared to how like the Canadian Hockey League for the women was, and like you had like the Markham, the the Markham Thunder, uh, the Calgary Inferno, the Toronto Furies, uh, then you had a Chinese team. Um, so you had kind of like all the oh, was it the I think it was the Montreal female Canadians, something like that. Um, however, when you look at the American one, it does seem very watered down in team names. Oh, I I have a soft spot for the Connecticut whale. <laughs> so, right. hockey's in my head. Also, hockey is that thing. It's like the nickname has to be some somewhat kind of intimidating or somewhat relevant. <laughs> You just called a women's hockey team Wales. It's not very often you see it not plural. You know, like yeah. Solent Devil, the Swindon Wildcat, the Connecticut Whale. Why it, it, it sounds like a whale? mascot, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, just, it's just like you've got the... Swindon, the Wildcats. You've got the Minnesota Whitecaps, the Buffalo Buttes and the Metropolitan Riveteers. Why have you not got the Connecticut Whales? Hmm. To be honest, you only need one whale to like go across the net and block it. But 
<coughs> much like the and old. His name uh, is Mark Duffy. <laughs> but yeah, that was literally. I have no more to add. It's, I've, I've it's done my like, so tidbits. When I've bits I've heard about it, that the idea was basically they're trying to start up as a women's equivalent of the NHL. <laughs> And it is very, very much in its infancy at the moment. It's, well, the the NWHL's been going for about, I think it's five years. And I mean, it, look at the article I'm just reading about it. Does Yeah, it says this will be the league's sixth season. Yeah, and it's been pretty, I mean, I watch a lot of it. So, But I did used to watch a lot of the Canadian one till that went defunct this past summer. So... But then um, the NWHL want to get a team from Toronto and Montreal and bring them into the fold. Um, but there's a fair bit of resistance because uh, I think they want to make it more more professional and have like a female, kind of like the NHL Players Association, but the women's side in like Canada. Um so there's there's a lot of kind of different things going on about it. <clears throat> um, but at the moment, Toronto's the only Canadian team. But I, I don't... I'll ask anyone. Has anyone been able to catch one of the games, the women's ones? Because they are, they are like late on. Um, if anyone ever says kind of like, the lower leagues can't really do too much. And even if it's like a simple stream thing. The women's game is pretty much every game is live on Twitch. Or a very similar service. So <clears throat> basically this it's not on like a national TV. It's on like basically like a gaming channel. But it always seems to get kind of like a couple hundred people watching the games and they've, they've got like their own fans uh, own fans their own commentary thing so it's, it's like a version of like Nesson but better to be honest you don't have Jack Edwards being completely biased um, but yeah if anyone hasn't watched it I I do recommend giving it at least a try and why is the NWHL famous, Pete? Why is it a history-making league? Because it's American. No, there is. It genuinely holds a Guinness World Record. <clears throat> what is it? Is it because it's the second time it's been called the, the National Women's Hockey League? Because there was one previous. I know Remember of. how you felt last week? The oh, I got one over him. I love this right now. It is so far the first and only professional sport to have an openly transgender player playing for it. I'm just trying to think who it was. Harrison Brown. Mm, I'm just trying to played for the Metropolitan Riveters and That's the Buffalo Buttes. I was got to say the Buttes. Get in! Pay back some dispensers, girl. Well, it is hockey, so it would be cold. But... Exactly. 
just thought that was interesting for putting it in there. It's the only sport with an openly, first openly transgender athlete in a professional team sport during their career. The more you know and all that. <laughs> See, you learn something new every week. Last week it was the Birmingham Maple Leafs. We are nothing but an informative podcast. <laughs> in, informative and witty, slightly. We do our best. Yeah. Well, we try. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think there is anything else this week, is there? You know, we said last week we have literally nothing to talk about. Yeah. This week's nearly two hours and we've actually talked about loads of different things. Yeah, exactly. Could have been worse. Could be talking about <laughs> NHL 20. but yeah, It's a good place to finish, isn't it? Uh, so, as far as that goes, that brings an end to episode 7 of this. Our thanks to Ben Callahan for putting up with us for two hours and talking to us. You can follow him at bcallahan89 on Twitter or watch his famous graphics at, at swinwildcats, S-W-I-N, Wildcats Online. It's of course been Pete Bradbury. I'm your Jay Scouts. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>